Hey, Welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves to get them where they want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode eight of the podcast. So, welcome, everyone. Uh, I am coming to you from a new podcasting location that I really hope makes the sound better uh, for the podcast listening audience. I got some feedback from a listener talking about how to make the sound of my podcast uh, not sound so, um, what's the word, hollow, I guess. And it was because I was broadcasting, I was podcasting in a large room with a lot of echo and bounce and the sound can go everywhere. So I'm coming to you now from a different location in my house, um, right inside my wife's closet. I was told that a small room with a lot of, um, you know, fabric and stuff to absorb the sound would be best. So, uh, just a little trick of the trade for those that might be interested. If this sounds good to you, uh, that's the reason why. And uh, I'm going to listen to it afterwards. And if it does sound good, you'll probably find me podcasting from my wife's closet in the future. So I have one other housekeeping issue uh, to talk about before we get into today's podcast. I decided I want some bumper music, some intro and outro music for my podcast. You know, step it up a little, feel a little more professional. I am a musician, I am not. So I am appealing to my audience to, if you are musicians or if you know somebody that's uh, cool with me using a little segment of a piece of their music for, you know, when I start the podcast and then as I uh, end it, let me know. Send me that to uh, www, I'm sorry, send me that to an email address, not a website, collegestudentsuccesspodcast at gmail.com. I know there's sites out there where you can go on and, you know, buy a song for $3 or something and have the rights for it, but to be honest, I checked them out and the songs kind of blow. And I think it would just be so much cooler if I actually had a, um, a listener uh, who was interested uh, contribute something. So if somebody is a uh, goal out there of putting their music out there and, um, you know, that's their passion, uh, maybe I can help and send it to me and I'll, um, you know, if I like it, I'll use it and I will credit you in my show notes every episode that I use it. I'll give you even, you know, a link if you guys, if you have a link to a website. So that is my offer to you. All right, let's get into it. So I thought now um, we're in episode eight. I wanted to just do a quick recap of where we're at and then we'll get into story time as we normally do. So when I started this podcast, it was before the school year started. And here we are now ending our third week in, uh, September, third week of the semester, and if you are not a math major, what that is, is 20%. 20% of your semester is already over after this week. I think for some people, they might be a little scared by that, considering that they probably haven't done 20% of the work for the semester yet. So just a little reminder, that's what I am, that guy in your ear that kind of reminds you things <laughs> that you need to keep on tr- on top of. So when we started, I really just kind of first episode put it out there, who I am, what I'm trying to do. And then uh, our second episode, I really tried to frame uh, 
why goals are important in the fact that you need a, a destination in mind even if you don't have an exact uh, coordinates for that destination you know in the form of knowing exactly where you want to be and knowing exactly when uh, a direction is helpful you know in just getting to start so you you first start with a goal and if you don't know what you want to do think about your passions you know what really drives you what's going to keep you up at night you know researching because you just love to learn more about it and I find that if you you listen to your gut with those things that they can eventually drive you to success no matter what you're looking for um, I'm sure I'll give examples of this but the goals themselves are the the foundation for not only this podcast but you know people's movement in life if people are uh, you know have goals at a very high level and don't really do anything with them um, they get stuck in the day-to-day and that's kind of where we don't want to be we know we got the day-to-day shit to, that we got to take care of but then we got to push ourselves or make time for the things that may not be urgent yet but are going to get us that that thing that we really want you know the the, the passion fulfilled so then we set our goal, you know, and that was where we actually, you know, took some accountability steps to say, this is this is kind of what I want, and this is when I want it by. And I encourage people to write that shit down. Uh, it makes it more real. Post it on the Reddit thread if you'd like. Um, but get it out there. Tell somebody about it, you know. Put it, put it somewhere that now it becomes public in some way, even if it's just to yourself in a journal somewhere. Um, when you look at it, it actually will um, sort of motivate you. And I think even the act of writing it down kind of shows a, a stronger commitment to it. Um, then that was really when I started to divide up the content between more of the goal-focused stuff and then more of the mental health stuff. So I've been talking alongside how to set a goal and, and then the act of setting it and now the act of following through on it. Um a separate almost kind of set of podcasts focusing more on the mental health aspect and to do so I really have to you know do background in talking about what psych rehab is and I did that Uh, what illness management and recovery are mainly because illness management is sort of my inspiration for this podcast the IMR model that I talked about in episode six and the recovery portion is going to come today and then the last thing was uh, time tracking was kind of where we were left off on Monday and data capture. This idea that, all right, now that you have your goal, you wrote it down, you told your friend, you did something to kind of um, put an accountability stamp on it. Now let's start to be able to track how we use our time and those things that sort of get left in our periphery and our working memory that we need to do but we don't ever write down and they keep coming back so get them out put them somewhere where your your brain trusts it whether that be a to-do list or an app or write in your calendar your passion planner if you use that um, and your brain will start to be able to work harder on whatever it is you're focusing it on at that given time so that's sort of a recap of where we're at I wanted to do that now that we're eight episodes in, and as I said, 20% uh, through the semester. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, my recovery. 
So we started, you know, two episodes ago talking about illness management and recovery. And I talked about, you know, being in recovery from alcoholism and some of the, the ways that I manage my illness. And my recovery is, um, you know, it's it's something that I treasure. And uh, when I think back to the way I was before it, I'm like, man, I could have just so easily continued down that road. But um, so, yeah, I was um, I was. You know, sort. I drank for the first time. I don't even remember, but I, I remember, you know, kind of being friends, you know, and having friends in high school and drinking, you know, out in the back of uh, the high school on a Friday night, and you know, we'd do that. I don't know, once a month or something, and I would get drunk, and you know, it wasn't a big deal to me. It wasn't something in high school that I ever had um, a dependence on, and it wasn't until I I got to college that you know, obviously, with a lot of people getting to college. They start drinking heavily or binge drinking, and you know that was that was definitely me. But I didn't drink every day yet. Um, I remember the first time actually, it kind of stuck out as like, huh, this could become a problem for me. Was I think junior year, um, and I had you know thought about how wow I'd been drinking you know six days in a row or something, and then again in senior year, actually after senior year, I had just graduated. And I had gotten an apartment with two friends, and I was uh, doing shots of Southern Comfort one night. It was like a Tuesday night, and I had work, you know, early in the morning or something. And I was like, uh, you know, I don't see my roommates hanging out with me doing shots of Southern Comfort. They all have jobs tomorrow. Hmm, maybe this is a problem. And um, my 20s were, uh, you know, just filled with lots of booze, lots and lots of booze. And went through a bad relationship in 2005 where it got really bad. And, you know, she knew I had a problem, but she had problems. And uh, so we just were bad for each other. And I got out of that relationship and was like, I definitely don't want to meet anyone. Just looking to, like, you know, heal from this whole thing. And then I met my now wife. And... um I really didn't feel like prepared to be in a relationship, but she was awesome. And I was like, well, all right. So we started dating, you know, several months after I had gotten out of that last relationship. And uh, we hit it off and we were, uh, you know, living together before long. And it was only a few months after living together that I wasn't able to really hide it anymore from her. And one particular troubling weekend, um, I just came clean. And I was just like, look, uh, I'm an alcoholic. And uh, that really was the start of my recovery that day, um, May 27th, 2007. So, I'm sorry, 2008. So, um, it hasn't been uh, that I've, you know, been completely sober since that time. You know, I've certainly, um, certainly relapsed. <laughs> But I can say that that was really the beginning of my uh, change and transformation into somebody that now no longer does uh, want or need or use alcohol and has been many years at this point, multiple years, I should say. Um, So, you know, recovery is not linear. You know, it doesn't go in a straight line. It goes up and down and, and it might go down for a while and then it goes up for a while and... And I certainly had that, you know, I was good for a long time right after I went into recovery. And then, you know, 
I thought I was different. You know, I thought I could set some rules and some boundaries and, you know, just use alcohol a little bit. <laughs> and what I learned was that I'm no different than any other alcoholic out there. And um, so it's just changed me, though, as an adult to in so many different ways. Um, so if we think about what the term recovery actually means, it's such a I mean, it's such a hard thing to define. So I actually picked up, uh, I picked out two definitions. Uh, I think two of the more important people when it comes to recovery. So the first person is William Anthony. I think I mentioned him two episodes ago. Or no, during the psych rehab episode. He's sort of the, the father or grandfather of psych rehab. And he uh, has a uh, definition for recovery that goes uh, as such. It's, quote, a deeply personal, unique process of changing one's attitudes, values, feelings, goals, skills, and or roles. It is a way of living a satisfying, hopeful, and contributing life, even with limitations caused by the illness. Recovery involves the development of a new meaning and purpose in one's life as one grows beyond the catastrophic effects of mental illness." Unquote. And you know, I apply this to my substance abuse illness. Um, the second quote uh, in definition of recovery comes from Pat Deegan, who is a person herself in recovery that has gone on to write a lot about it. She's very famous in the field of psych rehab. And she defines recovery, or has this to say about it, quote, the concept of recovery differs from that of rehabilitation in as much as it emphasizes that people are responsible for their own lives and that we can take a stand toward our disability and what is distressing to us. We may not be passive victims. We may not be afflicted. We can become responsible agents in our own recovery process. Recovery often involves a transformation of the self wherein one both accepts one's limitation and discovers a new world of possibility. That last part is really, I think, a huge, hugely overlapping with Bill Anthony's. You know, this idea that you develop a new or transformed sense of self where you're still the person with the mental illness, but it sort of becomes incorporated into your psyche, and you can draw upon it now uh, in 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 a in a way of strength rather than in a way of stigma. So I like those two definitions um, because they sort of overlap, but sort of explain things in a, in a slightly different way. Both of them describe it as sort of being personal. You know, my recovery looks different than anyone else's recovery out there. And that doesn't make your recovery look any worse or better. You know, it's just it's just what it is. You know, um, I might be further along than somebody that just decided today after years and years of drinking they want to stop. But I'm still just as vulnerable to relapse now than I was, you know, when I first came into recovery. And I know that. And it's the, it's this idea that I know that. And before I knew, before when I was in this rulemaking mode of like, oh, maybe I can only drink when I go on an airplane. Uh, I really had that rule in my mind for a while. Um, I don't need to do that anymore because I know what I am. And for people that, you know, have a mental illness and just think about it in terms of, you know, shame, 
there is a way to kind of move past it and, and sort of work it into be like, you know what, I am a stress ball <laughs> and I do get really gnarly sometimes when things get too much for me, but that's just what I am and I'm doing my best to work on it. I'm using A, B, and C coping strategies and I have such and such friends and they accept this about me and we're just going to do the best we can. And that is, there is something to be said for that. And that really is, I was only after I did that, um, that I was able to really move forward with my life in other ways, you know, develop my career, um, get to a, a more, you know, intimate relationship and place with my wife in terms of, you know, I'm talking mental here, guys, not physical, get your mind out of the gutter. Um, but just knowing somebody, you know, on a different level than, you know, anybody else, um, so many things I have to thank my recovery for kind of deepening and strengthening. So how to do it? Um, you know, there's always this like practical portion of the show where it's like, all right, so how do you do recovery? And this is going to be different than most of my shows in that I don't have really hard, you know, dif definitive ways to, to kind of give you to go about it. Um, but I did kind of draw upon a website called recoverywithinreach.org. Um, to kind of outline what recovery does look like, you know, because I think people have this idea in their head of like, you know, recovery being this end, end goal of like, ah, oh, I'm here, I'm recovered. Yes. Awesome. Five stars. When it's really the process, it's, it's the traveling journey along the way to get to that, you know? So one of the, the aspects is, you could still have symptoms and be in recovery. Just like I was still, you know, drinking for, you know, a time when I was in recovery. Um, you know, I was relapsing. It wasn't good, but it didn't, it didn't stop me from being in recovery. You know, I had to experience that in a sense to kind of get me to where I am now. And for people that struggle with, you know, depression or anxiety or voices, um, they can enter into recovery and still have times where the things where shit gets really bad. And they know that once they once they get past that, they're going to get back on track. So even though you may have some you don't have to be symptom free is what I'm saying in order to start your recovery journey. Recovery doesn't mean that you're cured. <laughs> um, so as I said, it's it's more the pathway and the journey and this idea that you know that you are on this journey and that there will be bumps in the road and that there will be a need for self-reflection uh, and mindfulness. So I think that this may lead to, you know, the, the not knowing this may lead to procrastination and people will be like, oh, you know, I need to get this under control before I can really start working on my mental illness. And the idea is, no, you, you could start working on it today. You know, do the shit you can get done today, today. And you can worry about the other stuff tomorrow. Um, we don't think of recovery as illness-driven. So... That's why I talked about, I'd gotten up on my soapbox a few uh, podcasts ago and talked about how I never refer to people as schizophrenics or, you know, manic depressives or whatever, that it's a person with an illness. And so we, we kind of will drift towards somebody's strengths or towards the wellness side of their life, 
um, when we talk about recovery than focus on the detriments and the barriers. Um, So, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. (laughs) I'm a person that is in recovery from alcoholism. That's what I consider myself, and that's what I would ask others to consider me as. Um, Next one, the... I'm going to read this one directly. Recovery from the consequences of a mental health disorder can be more challenging than the recovery from the symptoms. That one's sometimes a little hard to swallow, I think, for people. It's this idea that sometimes the consequences of your actions are the things that take years to undo. You know, you go off your meds and go out on the town one night and suffer some horrible trauma, you know. You get into a car accident or you are a victim of sexual assault, you know, and these things can take years to or you get arrested. You know, these things could take years to unravel, whereas the symptoms, you know, they might be static or they might be um, dynamic and sort of come and go, be more fluid. But those can be managed a little bit better on the day to day basis than the consequences of such, you know, disorder to have something unfortunate happen that ends up, you know, really taking up a big part of your life for the following, you know, whatever, month, six months, year, etc. Um, two more I have. Recovery is not a product of sheer willpower, but rather the result of someone's carefully chosen and wielded tools. Um, so it's not just sheer willpower that's going to get you there, although willpower is huge in this process. Um, But you need tools, you know, just like a farmer needs tools or anyone else in a, you know, technical type of profession. um, We need tools too. So the ways you manage your illness are sometimes your tools, your supports are your tools, you know. Um, I consider Evernote I talked about Evernote before, a tool for my recovery because I journal in it. Um, But it could also be, you know, the music that I like to listen to as a tool for, you know, when I'm not really feeling myself and I know that that will help me. So we'll definitely spend a lot of time in future episodes talking about things in your quote-unquote wellness toolbox. (laughs) is the what I kind of consider it's slightly dorky of a term but I guess it's it's fairly well it's accurately uh, described Um, the last one I think is one of the most important ones I'm going to talk about today this idea that recovery doesn't have to require professionals for you to actually do it so it's not like you need to see a doctor and they consider you all right you're in recovery now because you saw me and don't forget to pay your bill at the door Um, it's more a mindset and you'll know it when you feel it. And part of what, what really triggered it for me is, you know, again, I come back to talk about accountability a lot is when I had that meeting, you know, when I talked to my wife that day and told her I was, I was going into, I mean, I was an alcoholic and that I needed help. One of the things I did also was call the people in my life that were close to me, you know, my parents and my brother and, you know, some close friends and tell them what I essentially just told my wife, well, then at the time, my girlfriend, so that they knew, so that it was out in the open and that I couldn't end up going to their house and being like, you know, hiding from them. You know, anyone that was important, you know, found out that day. 
as a way to just be like, just so you know, um, this is what's going on with me. I'm going to need some help. And so uh, thus it began. And now uh, and it continues. So I hope that uh, you guys got some value out of that. I um, I'm doing this podcast, you know, for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons is, you know, I'm involved in a lot of research uh, for people with psychiatric conditions. And specifically, my research has been with college students. And I wanted a way to kind of be able to get some of the research out there. And I didn't really talk too much research today, um, but I will in the future. And I think that there's a severe, they call it the lack of research. uh, Well, they call it the research to practice gap. This idea that, you know, the research that happens today doesn't actually get put into mainstream practice for many, many years after. And that's a serious problem in the... um, scientific community that we need to address as a whole Um, and this was a way for me to be like you know knowing the things that I know when it comes to psychiatric rehabilitation and supported education strategies for college students with mental illness and cognitive remediation tactics to keep people sort of uh, attuned to the goals that they're interested in invested in and want to achieve uh, a podcast was a good way to deliver this. You know, I could just get on the microphone and talk, and I don't have to wait for, you know, a peer reviewed journal to accept my paper that you guys aren't going to read anyway. <laughs> so I hope that, um, I hope people are getting some value out of this. Um, there's a lot of people out there, you know, famous and otherwise, that are role models in this, um, in this community, you know, um, some people are ashamed of mental illness. Some people really embrace it. And some people just, you know, put it out there and are kind of cool about it. You know, one of the people I think in pop culture today that does a pretty good job of promoting awareness of mental illness is Demi Lovato. Um, so I don't know how many of my listeners are, I mean, most people I would assume know her. I don't know how many people are fans of hers. I'm not really terribly a fan of her music, but. I um, I respect the way that she has gone about uh, trying to take her own struggles with mental illness and um, share them with people and her fans to kind of normalize it, to be like, it's okay, you know, I'm, I have an illness too, and look, you know, I can manage it using this, 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 and this tool. Um, so I respect her for that. Um, she's got a, a website that she's promotes bevocalspeakup.com and I was looking at it today I was actually like oh maybe I could like send them an info about my podcast or something and I, I happened to notice that their that her website is sponsored by a uh, a pharmaceutical company <laughs> um, so that was a little interesting to find out but um, I still respect her I still like what she does in terms of um, raising awareness for people with mental illness so uh, that is the show today. Just to wrap up, um, don't forget, um, from Monday, I was asking people to really get their t- data capturing and time tracking systems in order. You know, you have that goal you want to achieve. I'm going to be there um, at least over the course of this semester, <laughs> not during the uh, the breaks, but um, while school's in session, I'm going to be there trying to help you get closer to this. I'm going to be in your ear I'm going to be the one reminding you when you get off track, like, hey, this is still important. You can still do this. Put it in your calendar for this week. You know, do one step. So get those systems in order. Go back and listen to episode seven if you haven't. 
And um, I hope to uh, talk to you guys next week, week four of the semester, episode nine, coming up on Monday. Take care. Be well, guys.